Good morning. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Psalm 42. We'll be looking at Psalm 42 and 43 this morning as we dig into the Word of God together. I just praise the Lord. Every Sunday we get to be led to the throne of grace by an amazing worship team here at Calvary. And I just praise the Lord for you guys. You guys have done it again this Sunday. You've just taken us right here, right where the Word is, ready for us to worship by studying the Word of God together. Psalm 42 and 43. I have a question this morning. When was the last time that you felt far from God? The last time you felt like there was a good amount of distance between you and the Lord. When was that? You really needed to feel His presence. You were desperate to know He was there. Yet the more you cried out to God your Father, the farther away He seemed. For some in this room, that may be where you are this morning. You might be thinking, William, you just described me. You described where I am. God seems like I could... He's just so far away. For others in this room, you might say, William, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I've never felt far from the Lord. I've never felt forsaken by Him. And this whole, the whole thought of that seems foreign to me. Let me tell you this morning, whether this experience is in your rearview mirror, is sitting right there with you, or is on the horizon, my prayer this morning for you is that as we look at Psalm 42 and 43 together, These two psalms will be instructive for us and be an encouragement for your soul this morning. So if you're not going through it this morning, I pray the Lord will remind you of these truths when when the time comes that he feels so distant. So Psalm 42 and 43, if you would please rise in honor of the reading of the word of God. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my, mo- in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Verse 11, why are you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? 
Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Then we move on to Psalm 43. And the song of Psalm 42 and 43 continues. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause. Against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre. O God my God. Verse 5. Why are you cast down O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. It is a balm for a broken soul. Your Word promises us that the flickering flame You will not snuff out. Your word tells us that a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. So this morning as we look at the song of these two psalms, I pray that your word will show us that sad psalms really do say so much. I pray that these psalms would be instructive for our soul. They would help us when the darkest days are upon us. That in them we would find the instruction we need to navigate spiritual despair, depression, grief, and regret. God, speak to us now through your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. These two psalms make up one sad song. It lays out, these two psalms lay out beautifully into three verses, each followed by a chorus. If you look carefully at Psalm 42, 1 through 4, that's the first verse of the song. And then in 42, verse 5, you see the chorus. Then as we move from 42, 6 through 10, that's verse 2 of the psalm. And then as you go um, from 42, 11, that's the second chorus. And then Psalm 43 begins, and verses 1 through 4 is the third and final verse. And then the, this sad song ends with the final chorus that we see in 43.5. You see, this song describes the pain of someone going through a season of spiritual despair and depression. It also can be someone who's going through the pain of regret, someone who's going through grief over a lost loved one. And when we look at this psalm, the pain in this song is obvious. The psalmist says, my soul thirsts for the Lord, but I can't find him. I feel so horrible that I'm ready to die and I'm just ready to meet the Lord. He says, tears are all I have for food. My heart is breaking. I'm deeply discouraged. All I feel is sadness. I'm broken. I'm lost here wandering around in grief. And so my question for you this morning is, have you been where he's at? 
Have you sang a similar song? Have you felt the pain of the psalmist? What? And then, so then you have to ask yourself this question, what brought you to that point? See, for some of us, it's a physiological problem. That means we're literally, literally wired that way. Depression and despair are a daily battle for us. It is written into our DNA. Smiles that come so naturally for some are a daily battle for us. I use us intentionally here because now as an older man, I can look in the past and trace these feelings back in my own life. I can see the evidence of them all over my family background. Guys, it's like days I wake up and I'm in a fog. I know the sun is shining. I know it's there, but it's like a fog and I can't see anything around me. It's like I'm lost. I just don't know what to do. Have you been there? Have you felt that before? For others, it's a situational problem. We live in a creation that longs to be made new by its creator. And so our creation groans waiting to be born again. And until it is, we are diagnosed with horrible diseases like cancer, multiple sclerosis, heart disease, ALS, arthritis, Alzheimer's, dementia, And you know the list literally could go on and on and on of those things that bring daily pain into our life. Whether we experience a diagnosis for ourselves or hear it given to someone we love, the physical realities of what we experience can send us into a season of despair. When you're in that season of despair, guys, it really does feel like God is far from me. It feels like He's nowhere to be found. Other situations can also make us feel like God has forgotten us. Especially when we're faced with situations like a job loss, a car accident, a natural disaster. Then throw on top of that interpersonal conflicts. And we look at all the chaos going around in our lives and we wonder, God, where are you? God, if you were real, I would not be experiencing this. God, if you were really there, I would not feel this pain. Physiological things, situational things, grief can also make us feel abandoned by God. When death shows up, it's rarely ever welcomed. But especially when death comes unexpectedly and is quicker than we imagined it would, or within, without any rational explanation, those left behind often feel lost without any clear direction of where to go what to do. We see that lostness in this psalm. The last thing that can bring us to a point of spiritual despair and depression is sin. Time after time, you ask God to deliver you from this thorn in your flesh. You come to church every Sunday and you read and sing about victory. You sing about being set free from bondage. And after a short season of freedom, you make the same bad Choice again, wooed by the same promise of pleasure or self-exalting justification, then there you are, once again, broken, weeping, and wondering where God is in all this mess that you've caused. See, any of these things can send us into a dark season. And guys, it gets worse when all four descend on you all at the same 
time. It really is like a dense fog. You can't see. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you've been. And you need direction. And so often we call out to the Lord expecting to hear from Him. Expecting to get direction. So what do you do when all you get is silence? And what we often forget is that we are people created in the image of God. We have a common enemy. He's described as a roaring lion. One who lurks around seeking whom he can devour. And he is a liar. He is an accuser. And he preys on us when the fog descends. He is the one who questions everything without ever offering hope for anything. And this enemy has a crafty way of using these dark, foggy days to convince us that God does not care for us or that He's not really there. Satan waits, crouched down, hiding in the bush. When the fog descends, he leaps. When he leaps, he's quick to whisper lies that question God's character and His presence. He's quick to question who we are in Christ. Jesus. In Psalm 42, we see how the enemy uses the lips of others to whisper lies to our soul. Look back at verse 42, verse 3. It says, My enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? Then in 42.10, it says, Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, saying, Where is this God? God of yours. And when you're constantly being questioned from without, those questions have a way of sneaking into your own soul. So you yourself begin asking, Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? See in 43 verse 2, For you are my God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies. Like I said, we're not as poetic as the psalmist. We cry out to God and say, why do you allow this? Your word tells us that you're in control. And yet you let this happen. God, if you are who you say you are, then why must I go through this? Why won't you deliver me? I believe you can right now at this moment Take away this pain I'm experiencing. And we pray and we pray. And yet, it's as if God is not there. It's just nothing. Just silence. And see, dark, difficult days are why we have psalms like 42 and 43. They're called psalms of lament. And psalms of lament are necessary instruction for when we experience these difficult days of life. In church, it might seem like God is silent, but He's not. I promise you, He is not silent. He has given us His Word. And Psalms 42 and 43 are truly a balm for a broken soul. We want quick fixes, don't we? I mean, we're Americans, right? We're used to just getting what we want. But God doesn't offer us quick fixes. In His wisdom, He gives us something different. He gives us a song to sing. Even Elton John back in the mid-80s knew that sad songs say so much. And he was right about that. 
Sad songs really do say so much, and the sad song of this psalm has so much to say for the darkest days of our lives. So how do we endure the dark days? How do we navigate the fog? How do we continue on going when there's no desire to do so? First, we must sing a song of desperation. Listen to the pain of the first verse of this song found in verses 1 through 4 of Psalm 42. The psalmist says, you know what? I can remember the joyous days of corporate worship, leading people to the house of the Lord with shouts of joy and thanksgiving. But those days are gone. Instead of being full of the Lord, I am now full of tears. I am thirsty for the Lord, like the deer in the midst of a desert longs for a cool flowing stream. But I am in the desert. There, are no, there is no stream here. I don't see any streams. I am desperate for the Lord. And we cry out, Lord, it would just be better if you could just take me home. I'm tired of living in all this brokenness. The pain continues in the second verse of this song found in verses 6 through 10. The psalmist says, I'm deeply depressed. It's like I'm in a storm and the constant waves keep washing over me and over me and over me. There's no way out. It's almost like I have this heavy weight tied around my leg that sinks me deeper and deeper to the point of drowning. I know the faithful love of God is with me every day. I couldn't survive without Him. Yet when I call out to Him at night, my rock doesn't seem to work. I wake the next day and still go around in sorrow. It's as if God has forgotten me. All I hear are the words of my enemy and they crush my bones as they taunt me with God's absence. There's so much pain in this song. And you know, it's a relatable pain. Because like I reminded the youth group as we were going through the book of Romans in the youth room, people are people. And the pain that this psalmist feels in 42 and 43 is a similar pain that we feel as we navigate life here in the 21st century. The good news is of these songs that they give us the freedom to express how we feel when we sing our song of desperation. God doesn't look up in heaven and say, why are you talking to me like that? Parents, you ever did that to one of your kids? Who are you to talk to me like that? Guilty? God doesn't do that. He doesn't say, who are you to talk to me like that? God senses our weakness. God senses our pain. In Christ, he had feet of clay, just like the rest of us. So the pain of rejection and fear, the pain of knowing the cross was coming, the pain of losing close friends, the pain of rejection, all of that, our God knows. And so he gives us the freedom to sing a song of desperation. But this song also instructs us to sing a song of vindication. Vindication means it's an acquittal. It's a declaration of innocence. And there is such a dramatic shift in tone from the first two verses that we read in Psalm 42 to Psalm 43 that the psalmist treats Psalm 43 as its own Section. We go from Psalm 42 to 43. When you read them together, they read as one song. Yet the tone shifts so dramatically in 43. 
it can stand alone on its own. And this song of vindication invites us to call out to God and say, God, prove my enemies wrong. This song of vindication leads us to call out to God and say, declare my innocence by rescuing me from this situation. It leads us to beg God to not to continue to act as though you have rejected me. And then the psalmist says, God, send your light and your truth so that they may lead me back to your presence. And so the faith of the psalmist prays and they call out and they sing before the Lord over and over again. Lord, fight for me. Declare me innocent. Show me your light and your truth so that I may know what to do and where to go in the midst of this deep darkness. Which brings us to the final instruction that this psalm gives us. See, it tells us to sing a song of desperation. It tells us to pray a song of vindication. And thirdly, it tells us to boldly sing a personal declaration. Martin Lloyd-Jones preached a sermon on Psalm 42 and 43. And here's what he says. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday and etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now this psalmist's treatment was this. Instead of allowing this self, his flesh, to talk to him, he starts talking instead to himself. He says, why art cast down, O my soul, he asks. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he chooses to stand up and say, self, you listen to me for a moment. I have something to say to you. And where does the psalmist give us this song of personal declaration, he gives it in the chorus. And it's repeated after verse 1. And it's repeated after verse 2. And it's repeated after verse 3. This declaration, and what does it say? It says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. There's something about this course here that frees us in the midst of our pain. In the midst of realizing where we are in this battle for joy that we experience every day. This chorus tells us the remedy. The psalmist will not allow his flesh to rule his thoughts. He will not give the enemy a foothold. So he makes this clear declaration to his soul. And this is what he says to his soul. He says, I will hope in God. No matter what, I will praise Him. It echoes what Job said 
when he said, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. So what this means for us is that no matter how I feel, no matter how dense the fog is, no matter how dark the days are, no matter what the circumstances are, I will praise him. So that means when I'm sitting in front of the doctor and he gives me a really bad diagnosis, this psalm, psalmist instructs us that we have to declare, I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him. When we're standing over the coffin, whether the death was expected or not, we must call out to our God and choose to preach to ourselves, I will put my hope in God. I will choose to praise Him. And in those days when we're in the midst of guilt, we're wondering if we really are who we say we are, if we really are a follower of Jesus, we must stand against the accusations of the enemy and say, I will hope in God. I will praise Him. Give it a try right now. Repeat after me. I will hope in God. Now, if you were at a Carolina game or a state game, you would have done better. Say it again. I will hope in God. I will choose to praise Him. Do you feel a sense of relief there? I did. Just hearing you saying that makes me want to praise the Lord even more. Because when the dark days descend on us, we cannot let the dark days control us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And so we have to stand up to the darkness and say, I will hope in God. I will praise Him. He is my Savior. He is my God. I will not let the darkness overtake me. I will not give in. I will not give up. I will choose to worship Him. I will choose to praise Him in the midst of my pain. I will not give up hope. See, the most courageous thing we do in seasons of spiritual despair, depression, and grief, and regret is to declare to our own souls, I will hope in God. I will praise Him. He is my Savior and my God. These words of the psalmist are an amazing expression of his unyielding faith. His faith is looking forward to the salvation that God later reveals in the death of His Son Jesus on a cruel cross. And He chooses to say, I will hope in God. Church, can I just encourage you? You can say that even if you don't feel it. You might say those words and you'll be like, I don't feel it. And when you say those words and you don't feel it, you know what you do again? Say them again. I didn't feel it the second time. What do I do? You say it again. You say it again. And you say it again. And you say it again. And you say it again. And, and church, you might find yourself repeating that to yourself throughout the whole day. But let me tell you, I will again hope in God. I will again praise Him, my, self, my Savior and my God. If you will continue to preach to yourself that hope, I really do believe that you'll start to see the fog start to lift. You'll start to see the sun come out. You'll start to get your bearings back. 
And that's an important declaration, church, because it takes the attention off of ourselves. And you know what it does? It puts it on Him. It takes the attention away from what I am currently going through and it puts my attention back on the hope that I have in Christ Jesus. And friend, on this side of the cross, we have so much to hope for. We have so much to praise Him for. For those seasons of drought when we long for someone to satisfy our thirst, we're reminded of King Jesus who stood in front of the crowd and said, I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never thirst again. He looked at the woman in the well, said, you drink from this water and a well of living water will flow out from you. When the world tries to knock us down, we have the bread of life to fill our thirst. And so by faith, we must choose to be filled by the one who creates in us fountains of living water. When the unrelenting waves of depression and sadness start to overcome me, and as I sink deeper and deeper into despair, I have to make the choice to praise King Jesus you know why? Think about it. You know why. He sends disciples out on the boat. He said, I'll see you on the other side. And they started going out. And what does the Bible tell us? All sorts of wind and waves started raging to the point that they cried out. And let me tell you, Jesus, our King, He didn't hop in a rowboat. And just kind of row out to us. He didn't even hop in a jet boat and speed out to us. We worship the king who stepped out on the waves. And walked on the waves to his disciples. He walked on the waves and calmed the storm that they were sensing. And by doing so, he proved himself to be the Lord of all creation. When he stepped in the boat and said, peace be still, he declared that and the winds and the waves obeyed him. They listened. And friend, let me encourage you, the same Jesus that walked on the waves and got into their boat will walk in the waves that seek to drown you and he will call out in your life, peace be still. That was a great place for an amen. Hang on, the better one's coming up. Because if you're honest with yourself, you think about last week and you find all sorts of things that you just, you just blew it. I mean, the Holy Spirit was saying, don't do that. Don't give in. Don't fail. And what did you do? What did you do? You knew it was wrong. And you did it. He was saying, don't say that. And you did it. Maybe it wasn't the fact that you ignored the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was the fact that you were just lost in anger. You didn't even, you, you couldn't hear the Holy Spirit because all you could hear was yourself welling up inside of you. And friend, there are times 
When the enemy accuses us of sin, and trust me, he might have a case. But you know what God looks at us and says? He doesn't look at us and say guilty. He doesn't look at us and condemn us. When Satan seeks to condemn us, when Satan tries to convince us that we're guilty in Christ, God looks at us and says, what sin is he talking about? Have you ever thought about that? I'm sitting here before God feeling condemned, crying out to him, Lord, forgive me. And he says, done. Already done. It's taken care of. You think you're living in guilt, but my son or daughter, you are innocent in Christ. That's what it means to be vindicated, to to be declared innocent. And so when God declares us innocent through the blood of His Son, He completely and totally takes away the sin away from us. He, He removes it out from us. There is no sin that will condemn us. Why? Because Christ Jesus, our King, paid the price on a cruel cross so that He could be declared guilty in our place so that in the ages to come, beloved, God would look at us and say, not guilty. There was the better place for the amen. When darkness and despair settle over your life, no matter their source, whether it is physiological situational, a result of grief, or a result of sin, we must have faith in King Jesus and fight against it. Because He is our righteousness. He is the one who knew no sin but became sin for us. Died in our place and rose victorious from the grave. And because of what Jesus has done for us, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation is able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So no matter how deep the fog gets this week, you can remind yourself, I am a son of the king. I am a daughter of the king. I am innocent in his sight. And yes, I need to confess that sin to him. I need to recognize that sin. Yes, I need to understand the situation I'm in. And yes, it may seem out of control, but it's not outside of his control. Weeping may last for the night, beloved, but joy comes in the morning because the sun has risen and his resurrection is proof that his sacrifice for your sin has been accepted by the Father. Life is one fight for joy after another. And if we're going to survive, if we're going... I mean, here's the cool thing. Jesus has won the victory already. We're just fighting some remaining battles. The the hope we have is in Him. We will praise Him. Sometimes when we're in the midst of this pain and discouragement, we have to remind ourselves that God has promised us a day When all the fighting for joy will be over. 
The Bible tells us that Jesus himself shall wipe away the tears from our eyes. The pain and and despair of this life will end. And it will be replaced with a joy that really is unspeakable and full of glory. So church, don't give up fighting for joy in this world. Because with every battle that's won, we get a taste of the joy that is to come in eternity. It's just on the horizon. Can you see it? Every day I said, Lord Jesus, come soon. Not because I'm trying to escape this world, but because my soul is hungry for the next. My soul hungers to really be in His presence. Church family, forever with our God is coming soon. So while we're still on this earth, the darkness settles in on us. Sing this song of desperation. Pray this song of vindication. And boldly sing this declaration that no matter what this life brings, you will hope in King Jesus. You will praise King Jesus because He is your Savior and your God. Let's pray. I don't know where you're at this morning. But with just every head bowed, every eye closed, I don't do this, I don't do this very often. But I'm getting ready to pray for you. And I really don't want anybody looking around. But right now, you just want to admit, William, I'm, I'm right where you're talking about this morning. Just stick up your hand. Is that you? I'm just right where you are. Thank you. You can put them down. As soon as you shoot it up, you can put it down. I see it. So many of us. You know what that reminds us? That reminds us that we're in this together. And sometimes it takes somebody to come alongside of us and say, I will hope in God. I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. Father God, You have given us every reason to praise You this morning. Our sin debt, which without King Jesus, we'd have no hope of overcoming it. There'd be no way that we could pay for it. Yet in Christ, our sins have been cleansed through His own blood on the cross. We have so much to praise You for. And yet when the dark days come, Father, it's so difficult to remind ourselves. God, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, would You encourage those who raise their hand this morning that You are worthy of their hope. You will not disappoint. God, You are worthy of their praise. You have made a way for them in the midst of their grief, in the midst of their sorrow, in their midst of their pain. Lord God, you have made a way for them. So I ask in Jesus' name that they wouldn't sense that you're not there. But Lord God, as they proclaim these truths to themselves, that they would sense you really are there. God, I pray that you would speak to them through your word. That maybe even you would call them back to Psalm 42 and 43 this week. And yet they would be reminded to hope in God. To praise him no matter what's going on around them. Father God, we're so guilty of sin. We're so guilty of falling short of your glory. 
I am grateful, Lord God, that you declare us innocent, that you've given us hope, not only hope in this life, but an eternal hope that is to come. So even now, I pray, Lord Jesus, come quickly. It's in his name I pray. Amen.